Welcome back, Podcast Land. The motorcycle race season is about to start. Preseason testing is well underway. And we're here talking about famous motorcycling legends from America from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. It doesn't get much better than that. Bo, are you with me tonight? I'm here, Jason. I am here. Well, I'm glad you're here. I mean, there's <laughs> we had some testing. So what did you see out there real quick? You know, before we jump into our kind of feature on Wayne Rainey, what did you see out there in testing in Malaysia and at that new track in Indonesia, Mandalika? Uh, looks like a pretty cool place. What'd you think? What'd you see? Um, you know, I read a, I read an interview today. Um, it was a, it's printed, I think it was printed last week or the week before. Um, and the highlight to me was Marquez. And that, that was the, the, the topic that I read was that Marquez had doubts going into Malaysia. And, um, you know, he did well. Like I don't have timing in front of me, but, uh, I want to say that there were some, you know, the Hondas that did well, I think, I think Marquez was still top. He was top 10, right? Yep. Um, you know, but he, he was a little bit nervous, um, getting on the bike. He said, you know, that was going to be the last test or one of the last tests to kind of give him confirmation of what was, uh, if he was healing or not. Um, interesting to me, I think that Alberto Puj, um, still expressed his concerns about the shoulder, which, yep. you know, he was sore after one he, of the days I did read that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, they, Alberto Puj made the comment, you know, they don't expect his shoulder to be a hundred percent for the season. Um, and to me that almost, that almost seemed like Alberto Puj kind of covering his basis because uh, if he's not sure they've got the bike sorted out yet, um, to me, that's Maybe what so. that sounds like, you know, uh, just because we know the challenges that Honda's really been facing uh, in in more recent yep. months. So we know that Honda definitely improved the bike, it looks like, um, which is positive, and, that, and they needed to. Um, but I think the shoulder thing, you might be right about Alberto Pouge, I, I, but I think it's more confirmation of the uh, medical opinion of the physical therapy expert I have in my house who said, you know, if he, if you're not better completely in eight to nine months, then you don't get better, you know? And, um, yeah, the problem is, is that it, all it's going to take is a hard fall on the right side. And that's part of motorcycle riding, right? Like that's it. Like riding on the edge and crashing is part of it. And we know he does it at a phenomenal rate. Now, if he backs off of that, will he be the same Marquez? That's the great question. Um, and we will find out. We're going to find out. But I, I was, I was encouraged that Team Scooby Doo seems to have at least pointed it in a direction, um, because I think racing is better when Honda is good, not just Marquez, but Honda. And they had, they have struggled without beyond Marquez. Let's be honest, they have struggled beyond Marquez for the last few years. Um, I found it very interesting that Bagnaya didn't do a single time attack. All he did was look to dial the bike in. Um, that says to me that he's very confident and he just wants no mistakes. Yeah, I, I mean, and that's how that's how he rides, right? I mean, he's not. Yep. Uh, yes, he qualified well last year, um, but even with that qualification record, he still had race pace all the way to the end of the race if he didn't crash 
So you yeah. know, that doesn't really surprise me that he didn't do, didn't do a time attack. Ducati's always had a bike, a, a, a strong bike in a straight line. So I think if he can get the bike dialed in with direction changes, with turning, making sure the bike gets direction quickly, and and tire management, I think Francesco Bagnaia is not terribly concerned, you know, about the bike this year. Well, I think his head's in the right place. Not being concerned about the possibility of not being on top during testing. Yeah, that's yeah. the right place. You don't, you don't win, need to be there. You, you don't win that's races not, on Saturday either. No, and you don't. You definitely don't win a world championship in the preseason, right? Yep. I mean, Maverick Vinales has proven that year after year. But I think, I think really um, a very measured and calculated approach from Francesco Bagnaia Ducati. Mm-hmm. That new front yeah. fairing was interesting. And I, I really think that we're going to have some good races this year. I think there'll be a lot of, uh, a lot of competitive racing at the front. And I think on the left-handed dominant tracks, I think Marquez will be right there in the mix and maybe even win a couple. Well, he proved Uh, that last year, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I I think he's going to do that, but... But I think Fra- Francesco Bagnaia has to be the guy everybody's watching. He and, and and don't forget about Fabio. I mean, Fabio's great. Um, but I just I found the the approach that Bagnaia took, knowing he's probably the title favorite going into the year, very disciplined and very methodical. And I think it may pay off because I mean he did a ton of laps, yeah. like ninety laps in a day. That's a ton of laps. That is just figuring the bike out. And that's, hey, all credit to him for taking that approach because it would have been easy to get excited and want to be fastest out of the gate and stamp your authority on it. But he made the right choice. And, and we'll see how it goes because you're right. It does not matter until the that light goes out on Sunday and and you're racing. And when that checkered flag weighs on Sunday, where you finish is what matters right. not not doesn't even matter where you qualify it matters where you finish on sunday so we'll I, see how that goes i do remember a notable when i looked at the uh, malaysia results uh, you know just scrolling through and looked at it i want to say that uh, raul fernandez caught my attention where he was um mm-hmm. not that it was uh, tremendously top of the time sheet or anything but simply because it was uh, it was high in the rookie standings as far as, as that goes yep. and it's this early on the bike yeah. Um, so he's the combination, well. Of the, yeah. Well, and that's, and I think I mentioned it again to to Ange, you know, in the conversation that we had after testing came out, we were lo- scrolling through the results, and I kept telling her, I said, I'm telling you, this guy's going to be like Jorge Lorenzo if he get once he gets the bike figured out in GP, I think he's going to be scary. But yeah, we'll see. I, you know, I mean, he's on a KTM well, right. that that might be that's behind me. the eight ball just a little bit in terms of development and Man. you know they've got some changes that they're working on and they're making progress it's slow progress but it's going in the right direction um certainly you know a lot better than yamaha is right now um which is just uh, concerning in it in, in it's in the entirety of the program it seems there's a part of me that wonders if fabio did the same thing bagnaia did because he recognized early there were some problems so he didn't care like don't throw any soft tires on there we need race pace. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. The and problem, let's figure though, this out. But the problem I have with that, though, is Fabio is still expressing concern that they didn't oh, yeah. get what they wanted out of the bike. Um, no, he he said he, that very clearly. Right. Yeah. And, and so, to me, I, I don't know. I don't know if Fabio really is taking the same approach, um, but maybe Fabio is trying to figure out where he can win races uh, because uh, of the the lack of yeah you know what yamaha's brought to the table 
well, uh, to them. I, I think he's got to feel a little let down. You know what I mean? Yeah. He has yeah. to. Or, so, or pressured, you know, he's got to feel yep. pressure from them. But, you know, yeah. he won the world championship last year. Everyone around him is making a big step in terms of development. But then Yamaha just comes out and says, well, we've improved power just a hair, but not quite as much where you might want to be, might want to be at. Now, yep. all that to yep. say, there were two Yamahas in the top five, um, <laughs> yep. you know, on day three of the Mandalika test. You know, Fabio Cordaro being second. And Morbidelli being uh, fourth, which is, excites me a lot. Right. I'm happy to see him back a little bit faster. Hopefully he can continue that trend, you know, recovering from that knee surgery and get back stronger. So, yeah. But, you know, we're here to talk about Wayne Rainey. Quit droning on about the guys that are racing right now, Bo. Good grief. I know. I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm the worst. Uh, it was my fault. I started it. But I, I, did, I did feel like we needed to touch on it because it's happening right now. Um, but let's talk about Wayne Rainey, another American legend, and a guy that had his career cut short by a, a pretty tragic accident. Um, but, you know, Wayne Rainey was born in uh, 1960 in California, and just like everyone else we've talked about, <laughs> got started on the dirt track. Um, he uh, began racing in his career in, in 1981, he was ranked in the grand that what used to be the AMA grand national championship. And it had four dirt track disciplines and then road races, which again, it always blows my mind at how many races were going on with AMA back in the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it was really um, like an Ironman championship. It was, a, <laughs> it was a, a like, different. Hey, look, whoever is still on the bike after this weekend <laughs> and doesn't just fall out dead, you won. And and that's what it felt like. But, you know, he um, he started in 81, and he was ranked as the 15th best dirt track racer in the country. Um, and then he, you know, his he did some 250 road racing. Mm -hmm. Kawasaki then hired him to be on their 1982 AMA Superbike champ, Championship team. And he was beside the defending national champion, the great Eddie Lawson. So he was teammates with Eddie Lawson. And and again, I, I said this last time. When we start making these parallels that all these guys were racing at the same time. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. And Eddie Lawson's a guy I think we gotta talk about next week, but we'll move on. Um well, and, and and you know, just a real quick quick note, this is an eighty two. You know, yeah. he's twenty two at this point. And not to say that he's over the hill at twenty two, but at, at age twenty two, we're talking about you know, guys that have been in the MotoGP paddock for a few years now, uh, you know, yeah, you know, the, they start at 16. And, yeah. 16. And, and, yeah. And even get up to the, to the premierly, the premier level of GP, uh, you know, in their late teens and, and early twenties. So, uh, you know, Wayne Rainey really hadn't seen the pinnacle just yet. And he's at that yeah. age tier. So, you know, that yeah. makes it all the more impressive to me to see just how far he actually went after 1982. Right. I, you know, I, I did, I couldn't find a whole lot of information about, you know, his early, early years in writing and why he got into it and all that. Um, but it's safe to say that he probably was on a dirt bike. He found the flat track. He liked to race. He liked to, he just liked being on two wheels. And that's what, that's the way it was for Americans back then. You know, so he, when he came into the AMA Superbike Championship as uh, Lawson's teammate, um, you know, he, he raced there, and I believe, what did he finish? He finished second or third in that championship that year. And then, um, 
Lawson moved to the Grand Prix circuit in 83, and then Rainey won the championship in 83. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what a what an unbelievable and kind of meteoric rise, right? Like, he just went straight to it and started winning. And then in 84, he went over to race the 250cc uh, in the Grand Prix World Championship for Kenny Roberts Yamaha. And it wasn't uh, a real successful season. Now, this was back in, I thought this was interesting, when they push-started those bikes. So, can you imagine doing that now? No. That's an easy one. No. <laughs> I'm Would lucky you be to push doing my bike track at... days if we had to push start them. <laughs> I am lucky to push that bike to tech inspection at Roebling Road when they have quiet hours in the morning. Who are we kidding? It, you know? <laughs> That's true. I'm not doing any of that. Um, but yeah, so he had a little trouble doing that. And then he, so he came back home. Uh, and he joined the McLean Racing Team in the US 250 and Formula One classes. And then he raced for American Honda in 86 and 87. Um, and he raced Superbike and F1 again. It was the next year when he started to really, in 87, when he and Kevin Schwantz really started their rivalry. Right. That's really when it came out, when it formed. And they did not like each other, these two. They they went hammer and tongs at each other every chance they got. Um, they they even they they did something back then called the Transatlantic Trophy, which I I I have briefly have read about before, but had never any idea what it is. Um, they were supposed to be teammates, and they were just fighting it out on track. <laughs> so. These guys were competing against a team of British riders, but they didn't care. The only person they wanted to beat was that other one, was that other American, you know. Yeah. And and uh, and, you know, and, and Rainey and Schwantz, man, that's what they did. But Rainey was a completely different rider than Schwantz. But that's why the rivalry was there, I think. Well, yeah. Well, and also because you know they're Amer- they're both Americans fighting it out too. Um, but you know that was what Wayne Rainey in an interview, you know, on Cycle News that I read that. Um, yeah, when the the uh, ninety one, I'm sorry, Zuzuka race, I think it was. You know, whenever they were battling out, and Kevin Schwantz ended up winning the race by you know just half of a tenth uh, or half a second, I believe, right. covered the top five guys. It, you know, it wasn't the fact that that Wayne Rainey thought you know, um, uh, you know he that he didn't lose the race. It was who he lost the race to. You know, he said, well, the American was up on top, and so he really had to go back. He went back to square one. He said he thought about the bike he thought about how he how he um rode the bike he thought every he trained everything he dumped everything into it and he didn't want to be um he didn't want kevin to be the one that was winning he wanted to be the one winning and that just kind of sparked and fueled so much with those guys too across uh, across the pond in, in the grand prix paddock yeah absolutely and i think you know um that when they when you know uh rainy went over in the 250 cc didn't have a lot of success came back over kind of relit that fire and that uh intense rivalry with schwantz in that 87 year and then came back you know in 88 and joined team roberts yamaha in the 500 cc class Mm -hmm. and schwantz also came and joined suzuki so you know i i feel like here we are in a time of racing 
when Americans are all over the world circuit. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. You know, you got to mix in. And successful, uh, the, too. You know, consistently exactly, fighting for the front. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, one of the guys that we've really never mentioned, you know, was was riding and was a world super bike champion. And do you know who I'm talking about? I'm sure I will. Probably John Kaczynski. Is it, are you talking about John Kaczynski what, or? Kaczynski, right. So Kaczynski was a, was the, was the last lower leader, uh, 250cc champion from America, um, after Freddie Spencer. So Kaczynski is our last world championship in the, the smaller classes in the world championship. Um, but in, in truth, we have not really talked about him, but he was there too. You know what I mean? Like all these guys yeah. are there and, and we're focused on Rainey and Schwantz in the 500 CC, but Lawson's there. Kaczynski's there, you know, and, and don't forget in 85, you know, Freddie Spencer had just done that unbelievable year where he won basically everything he entered. Right. Um, you know, and it was, it was just crazy. But, um, also, you know, when they went over and had a pretty successful year in his first year in the 500 CC class, he, uh, he finished third in the championship. He actually won a race that year in Great Britain. Um, but then he went over with his teammate, Kevin McGee, and won the Suzuka eight hours. So really, really cool to think about a, this guy and his career and what he was doing at that time because you don't see that a ton now. Like, you used to see that all the time. They would go and do the Suzuka because they were the premier rider for Yamaha or right. Honda or whoever. Right. And I don't, I don't know the last time a MotoGP star won Suzuka. Yeah, I think eight I, hour. I, yeah, I think. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like a lot of World Superbike guys are where they kind of they'll dip their yep. toes into the endurance yep. racing circuit. I know um, Top Rack and and also Jonathan Ray, yep. and I think. Um, Yep. Ah, his name's uh, kind of escaping me at the moment. Uh, the Frenchman that's in the intermediate class that just moved up to Superbike this last year. Um, well, on a Kawasaki as well. I know he had done Suzuka once or twice or um, uh, with the oh, Kawasaki I, team. The Frenchman that moved up from, from where? Intermediate. Uh, super, or super Sport 600. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, you're talking about um, Jacques, yeah, I, Jacques Clu, uh, Cluzel. No, 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 no. Well, no? he might have done. He might have done endurance, but uh, another one. Uh, it rode for Kawasaki last year. Um, I can't think of his name. Goodness gracious, I'm terrible. Uh, oh man. But anyway, no. Like yeah. you're saying, you don't see a lot of GP guys that are going across, uh, kind of cross sport. There, no. you know, they don't step well, backwards a lot. Um, I think there's a little bit of protecting your investment. Right. As yes. Uh from the big teams, you know, they're mm. they're there's significant money being paid to factory guys now. Right. And if they get hurt, that's bad. Um, so yeah. But, you know, so he went over there and won that and in in uh in nineteen eighty nine, Rainey finished second in the championship behind Eddie Lawson. Here's that man again. And for those people that aren't that are kind of casual fans, you don't realize how good Eddie Lawson was because he's not really the sexy name like a Schwantz and Rainey or Freddie Spencer, you know, or even a Nikki Hayden. Like a lot of people, the the real fans know who Eddie Lawson is and revere him. But a lot of people that are watching now, 
They don't have a clue. And yeah. I, I think that's a tragedy because th- what he was doing, unbelievable stuff. And he, uh, he deserves to get our, our time on here for sure. And we're definitely not going to miss him, but, um, and by comparison, so it, you know, and it, you know, that 1989 year, it, it needs to be mentioned, you know, Eddie Lawson was the champion, but just how successful he was should be highlighted in the fact of how successful Rainey actually was that season because he finished, yeah. um, you know, second overall behind him. He won three races, and he podiumed in every race that he finished that year too. Isn't that crazy? So, That's you know, kind of like you said, similar to Freddie Spencer, you know, whatever he entered that year, he did well in. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's just the 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 sport that was elevated by the Americans in the in the eighties, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and then I carried think, into the the, the, into right. early I think the there's 90s. a lot of evidence that we really set the bar high, and you know, the countries like Italy and and Spain have taken that seriously. You know what I mean? Like oh, absolutely, the, the, and they've the, continued to do the same in the in the late nineties right. and then into the two thousands. I mean, we see right. the we see how Ducati is you know changing the sport technologically all the time. You know, the innovations yep. and 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 keeping those keeping inside the rule books, and then you know it, it's constantly constantly changing and being elevated. And it's just where that elevation comes from. If it comes from a rider, if it comes from uh, you know the bike, uh, and it's just a continuous. Yep. Ever evolving equation, you know, and, and Rainey was part of that. Rainey was part of that, so he uh, he was a very uh, calculating and smooth style. So I, I would I would really like to get some time and watch Rainey ride, and then watch right after that, like a Jorge Lorenzo ride. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I feel like that's the kind of rider Lorenzo was: very smooth, mm-hmm. so metronomic very calculating his moves were never desperate never uh lunging they were always he always made them look very clean he set them up well so i feel like that's kind of similar to what rainy did in his time there but you know moving to 1990 and all the way through 92 rainy won three consecutive grand prix uh, grand prix championships gp championships yeah so for a lot of people don't know that they know he won three. They don't know that it was three in a row. And, and we can speculate that it could have been fourth. Uh, it was, four. I, I was just about to say that. And we don't know that it wouldn't have been four in a row. Right. And maybe five because he was so dominant, mm-hmm. but it could have been four in a row, but he had that crash at Mazzano where he severed his spinal cord because of the, the way that the curbing was. Um, it was just, it was, it was just bad luck. But, I mean, he was leading the championship in that race. And there are only two races after that. So if, if he doesn't... Now, he was only leading by 11. So if he crashes and he and Kevin Schwantz wins that race, he's down 14. Right. You know, so he could still lost that championship. But I, to be leading it for a fourth consecutive year is just... It's really... It's dominating legendary status stuff. Um, you know, people talk about the dominance and, and I'm guilty of this, the dominance of the Rossies and the Marquezes, uh, in the late, later years. But, you know, we fail to remember sometimes how dominant Wayne Rainey was three straight championships is dominant. Um, and leading on the fourth, when you actually ended your career for unlucky crash, 
um, that, you know, that's just, that's just really, really bad. And, and I, you know, we, I think, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, if we take a nationalistic, you know, point of view from that 1989, an American one, 1990, an yep. American one, 91, they did, uh, we did 92, yep. an American Wayne Rainey one. And then 93 is when Kevin Schwantz won his championship. So, you know, there's, it was um, 1990 it's 1988 to 1993 Americans World of War Championships in 500 CC. 6 straight years. That's crazy, right? Yeah. And and then we haven't won one since 06 and as we talked about before we've won one GP race since 2006. Right. Uh, yeah, since after 2006 from 2007 on there's only been one American American at the top of the box in one race. Um, but, you know, back to Wayne Rainey. So he does that. Unfortunately, as we know, his, his career ended prematurely um, with the crash at Mazzano. Um, and after that, Rainey managed the Marble Yamaha team for a few mm -hmm. years. Um, so he didn't want to give it up. He refused to... Uh, to give up racing, so he did some kart racing. Um, and, you know, I think it was just in his blood. He didn't want to give it up. Um, but since that time, he's been honored. He's He has a, a corner named after him at Laguna Seca, the Rainy Curve, which we mm -hmm. all know very well is the yep. curve after the corkscrew. Um, he was inducted into the AMA Motorcycle Hall of Fame in 99. He was named a Grand Prix legend in 2000, and he was inducted into the International Motorsports Hall of Fame in 2007. Um, I mean, and I don't, I don't think there's any other accolades that he could have won. He's in every single motorcycle racing Hall of Fame there is. Right. He's a legend yep. in FIM. He, he and, you, and, you and don't he, know better than that. Right, and he continues to elevate the sport. You know what I mean? He 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 refused yes. to give up. He refused was gonna to stop. Me. He yep. is you know running Moto America now, and yep. what he has done for Moto America in the past three year, three or four years, it's really admirable. Um, yeah. Well, let's just say it. He saved American motorcycle racing. He saved absolutely, it. and he's he's not he is not only you know keeping it afloat. He is trying to make it steam ahead. And, and you know we criticize Moto America a lot. I think. Um, and, and I think rightfully so, because criticism, criticism helps you strive forward. It, you know, it, right. it makes you want right. to, it gives you that fire, um, to, to prove somebody wrong and then to carry the torch a little bit further into, into just to, you know, Hey, stick this in your call. You know, here's your opinion. Screw you. Right. So, you know, apps may be a little bit clunky. Um, the, the bagger championship is ridiculous uh mr rainy i'm sorry that's all i can say yeah, please make that stop yeah you're, <laughs> it's you're a waste embarrassing those, us. those dunlop tires you're embarrassing us. we need to stop yeah. hearing about pit boards but for everything that you have done in moto america for the people that you have gotten to moto america you got loris baz here that oh that that brought a huge magnifying glass um to america from the from other countries abroad you got uh, now you know um, Danilo Petrucci is going to ride this year in. I'm Moto so America. excited. Yeah, I'm I am too. I really, really am, and I'm I'm so so looking forward to seeing what kind of an impact he really has and well, I'm what probably kind of atmosphere. Tow him around. Too. I'm going to tow him around at Road Atlanta. You April do that. 3rd and Let 4th. Me, yeah. yeah. I mean, he 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 said, "Hey, you sent me a message. 
maybe it wasn't to me. Maybe he just said it in general in an article, but I felt like he was speaking to me that he needed to learn some tracks. So I'm your guy. Am I right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so, you know, the group that took over AMA, the Daytona Motorsports Group, made some horrible decisions with motorcycle racing. Horrible. Do you remember the rolling start? Oh, goodness. No, you don't. You weren't I around. Do not. It was horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. They did it just like NASCAR. And they really, really set American racing, motorcycle racing, back 10 or 15 years. But like you said, so there's a Rainey lot of cleanup work there too that that Rainey had to to work through. Oh, a hundred percent. He had to he had to say, okay, if we're going to be successful and a successful organization, and send people Americans to the world stage, we have to race like they do. Like we're on the world stage. Look like we've been we here can't before. call races off because of rain. Rain. We yeah. can't. Yeah. We can't do that. Which we, is ironic we because, well, it's not ironic because Wayne Rainey is really changing that. You know, Wayne Rainey, when he first went to his first 250 GP on the world level was at Kalami or Kialami, the South African GP. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it was in the rain and he did not have rain tires on when he went out to do his first few laps. It had stopped raining and his pit chief told him, we'll go. I think it was actually Kenny Roberts told him to go out and just ride around and get used to where the track went. Wow. On a wet track, on slicks. D and he did it. And th uh, we're talking 1980s Brad Bender stuff. In hey, practice, of course. But you, you, don't, you don't tell Wayne Rainey anything. He's, he's a brilliant motorcycle rider. But he did. He, he, took that, he took the American motorcycle racing. He's restoring it. It's a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do complain about it. But yes, there's going to be growing pains. You never get it right the first time on something nope. like that. You have to learn. And they have improved since that first year when there were eight bikes on the grid. Right? Yes. Like there's they're better. Yes. Now, I just was talking today with some of our privateer Moto America racing buddies talking about the new FIM rules for the Super Sport class and they adopted it. But and I realized how necessary that was because sending guys over to race in the Super Sport class and World Super Sport or even in the Moto Two Championship, um, we needed we needed to be very similar to what you would be going into yeah so i'm totally fine with that even though it kind of kills the privateer aspect of the 600 um i read somewhere that they're anticipating that the Jixer 600 motors that are going to run in that class are going to be pushing 150 horsepower oh my. my question is for how, how many laps can they go yeah exactly but of course, I, I mean as far as engines go though you know, yeah. a Suzuki I mean, engine's pretty strong, pretty tough. It's pretty strong. But, you know, so, but Rainey is doing the right thing and leading us down that path. And it's it's going to be painful. It's going to be some, there are going to be some growing pains, but he's done it. And I just respect, like you said, that he has kept pushing it forward, kept pushing it forward. You know what I mean? It didn't yeah. go so well here. We're, gonna, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to do this. So I did see that there's a new... Like we don't have the same sponsor for the championship now. It's Medallia and not, you know, Honos. Yeah. Um, I don't know who Medallia is. Who is that? I don't know. I'll have to break up the. Well, you're our research. We're not sponsored team. by Google, so I can't say the Google machine. Oh yeah, yeah. They're not sponsored. Um, but you know, I think, I think his his fingerprints are all over American racing from 
when he started racing in 1981 until now in 2022. That's 41 years where the name Wayne Rainey has been synonymous with racing. And, you know, you could say that a little bit about Kevin Schwantz as well because he's been involved after after his racing career ended. And this is what we need. We need these American legends, and we need more American legends, but we need them to come back and, and put their stamp on things. And I'm really grateful that, you know, uh, Rainey did that because otherwise who knows what we'd be looking at in a national championship here. Who knows? Yeah. It, so um, I did forget one Hall of Fame that he was inducted to. It was in 2008, and that was in the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America. Um, so he's in four Hall of Fames. I'm in zero. How about you? I have not yet. I'm, I'm well on my way, though. Does that count? Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think I, I'm, 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 I might end up going for uh, uh, most helicopter miles traveled traveled in Kershaw, mm. South Carolina. So. Mm. Hey, listen, we're gonna sell those t-shirts, <laughs> Bose helicopter tours, uh, out of Kershaw, South Carolina. So if you're looking for a good time, um, but yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I, I feel like. Um, Sometimes it's easy to um, talk about these guys, but when when I started researching more about Rainey, I knew he had won the championships. I knew he had won a lot of races. I knew he had podiums and poles. I, I, I kind of knew I was really close on the years that I thought he raced in the 500cc championship, which was in 19, the 500cc was in 88 to 93. And I kind of knew all that. And I, and I had in my mind that it was going to go one way, but then it, as I started researching, I was like, no, this is going to go a totally different way. And even though his career was cut short, it's a little bit like Freddie Spencer in that, man, he was just like a, a meteor across the sky. He was a, he was a shining star, man. He shone brightly while he was out there. And that's, you know, he started six, uh, 95 races. He podiumed in 65 races out of the 95 starts in 500cc. You show me someone that has that kind of percentage. I don't think you can. It, but Augustini, maybe. But beyond that, that's incredible. That's incredible. That's 66% of the time he was on the podium. Hmm. And, and, you know, it bears mentioning... He was he's paralyzed from the chest down, but he yep. rode a motorcycle again. He did. He, he rode an R one. And he said that he had no desire to ever ride a bike again after that crash, but um said one um I think before the event in Japan where they rode again on that R one, he uh he was just kinda like, you know, why not? Let's try it again. And they put the bike together and he went out to Button Willow and um it you know, he and his some of his family was there. He went out and he was riding. He said Josh Hayes was following him, and uh, he said that Josh Hayes was actually in gardening gloves. And um, <laughs> he said, "How fast did we go out there? It felt like 150." And Josh Hayes said, "We were doing 90." <laughs> and, you know, but <laughs> the simple fact that he had the desire to get back on a bike after so many years and and just did it. Uh, you, you know, I mean, we've seen a couple of folks on track that um, you know that are uh, paralyzed and they still go ride and their heart is just yep. unstoppable. And I, I think that speaks to the Testament of Wayne Rainey and what he is doing for the sport and what he is to the sport. He's, he's just, he, he's a force that will continue to keep driving. Yeah. I, I, you know, we do have a guy that's out there on track with us a lot. Um, 
that is paralyzed and uh and he is quick every, he is quick he he's in he's in my group and uh he he sends it um but i i always think about him when i think about something being hard or yep i'm frustrated and absolutely i'm like you know what this is easy this is nothing get over it mm-hmm. and a little bit the same for me you know wayne rainey could have taken his money that he probably had he could have just lived his life in solitude and let and been mad at motorcycle racing and and let that eat him up but he didn't yep. and he came back to help push american motorcycle racing forward and i honestly it it is it's inspiring but also he, he deserves a huge thank you from all of us that are fans of the sport and that want to see Americans back over there because he's building it. It just takes time. And if this crypto hits, Wayne, I'm in to help. <laughs> but <laughs> Bo and I are going to open our own school. Write it down. Am I right, Bo? Yeah, we're just not going to teach. No, no, we're not teaching anything. We're not teaching. But, but while the, 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 the students the quote unquote students are in their in their academic stuff. Bo and I'll make sure the track stays hot. Yep. We'll do that. Yep. Lukewarm. Yeah, we'll, yep. no, yeah. We'll just keep it warm. And then when they when the fast guys come out, we'll get out of the way. No problem. But it's um it's really humbling for me a lot of times to read about guys like this and and like you're at the top of the world, you're the defending world champion, and it's all taken away from you in an instant. And you don't crumble. You don't crack. You know what I mean? You, yeah. you push on. And uh, that just speaks volumes about the character of Wayne Rainey and um, and his his commitment to, you know, helping people uh, reach their goal, and Americans in particular, reach their yep. goal of becoming MotoGP riders. So We talk uh, about it I, all the time. You know, this sport is has the highest highs and the lowest lows. Surely does. The stories of... Uh, just perseverance and determination and inspiration that comes from every single rider, not just the guys that we're talking about, not just these highlighted champions, but you know, everyone that has made it to this level has a similar story like that. They've, they've, yep. they've had to overcome something, financial issues, you know, health issues. Um, it's a struggle to do what these guys do. And um, just to see the kind of heart and soul that they put into it, you know, it's just that, it's that effort that we can tie back into our personal lives. Like you said, you know, if we're having a bad day at work, you know, at the end of the day, is this really that bad? If this is, if this is as bad as it gets, I've still got it pretty darn good. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and, you know, as, as a huge motorcycle race fan and, 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 and the things that I love, I, I, I hold guys like Rainey and, and Schwantz in very high esteem um, and it would be a great thrill for me one day to hopefully meet Wayne Rainey uh, and talk with him and, and see what he said. You know, I, I was reading a quote, somebody was in an interview and they said, you know, if you raced, um, if you, Schwantz and Lawson and, uh, and Rossi were racing, he said, where would Rossi finish? He said, fourth. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think, I think those guys that raced in that era, they have a real uh, hard-nosed approach to racing. So, 
and and they believe that what they were doing was a little bit different than what they're doing now and that maybe these guys on some levels aren't as tough as they used to be then we know that all these guys they're racing right now are tough we know that yeah but um you know it was a different era it was definitely a different era i mean we talked about the the coming together with roberts and and freddie spencer you know it was a different era that stuff happened more back then <laughs> Um, but uh, I mean, honestly, the the 500 cc bikes to me were just like riding a jack in the box. You never knew when it was going to pop, and you never knew when you were going to be the guy that flew, you know, over the bars and straight to the moon. Um, and do you these think guys you would ever ride one? I would like to think that I I let me put it, it would never be fast. I, I would start it up probably just I, I would maybe let it idle forward just a little bit to see how it sounded. Um, but no, no I, you I, I would go. never, no, absolutely not. I, I'd be I terrified. Would. You I'd wouldn't. You're full. I wouldn't it. ride it hard, but I, I, no, you know what? I take that back. Yeah, Here's would. what happens every time. Two laps. I got this. See, that's my problem. <laughs> exactly I don't even give it to, if I had made, if I would make it to two laps, I'd be able to tell myself, all right, let's go ahead and come back in. But no, my, yeah, yeah. I leave, yeah, I see the yeah. blend line and I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. I'm, yeah, no, I, I give myself two laps on that thing because there's two laps of utter respect, ultimate respect, and then the third lap is like I'm the fastest dude on the planet. I know how to do this. And uh, your third lap happen. three starts. What's the big deal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the big deal? And turn three on lap three, I go to the moon. So it's um, it's it's it's, it's very very important for us as American racing fans to know the history the FGP and how important it was for how important the influence of the American writer was. Yeah. Honestly. And, and, I mean, and, and I, I, yeah. If there are any people out there that, that are listening to this and may not actually watch MotoGP, but you get the opportunity to watch the Amazon special, um, that we're, so I'm sorry, is it Amazon? Not Amazon. Yeah. It Amazon. is Amazon. The, the yeah, Amazon, Amazon special, um, that we'll be launching in March. Please keep in mind of how m the sport has gotten there. That's um, right. It, you That's know, why we're doing this stuff. That's yeah, why we're doing it, this absolutely. Stuff. So you know, we appreciate if you are you do fall into that demographic. Thank you uh, for listening. But but always remember and keep this kind of stuff in mind. And if you have the opportunity, go back and watch um, a, a race from the early '90s, the late '80s. You know, however old of a race you can get a hold of, watch it. Um, and, and it's just phenomenal to watch honestly uh it, it really in some aspects are way more exciting than the races that we see today for me at yeah. least yeah 100 percent um but i think you know we highlighted wayne rainey I, I i hope that one day our podcast grows to the point where we can have these guys on and have conversations and Absolutely. ask questions and uh because I, I don't i don't think there's a greater perspective about racing than from a racer and um be it former or current, it doesn't matter. For a guy that have done it at the highest level, they have insights that you and I could never dream of, and that's that's always that's always fun for me to to hear those stories and to learn about it. So, um, I that's about all I've got for Wayne Rainey tonight. I I think um, you know I I feel like we covered it. We 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 heap praise on him a little bit and thanked him for what he's done for American motorcycle racing, but. Uh, 
that's all I have. How about you, Bo? Yeah, that yeah, I'm good. I I, I once again um, to echo what you had said earlier. A, a huge thank you goes out to Wayne Rainey for what he's done um, in Moto America. The what he has picked up in the dumpster fire that was um, yeah, that when he acqu- really when he inherited it. Um, he's cleaned it up. He's polishing it. He's making it better and better. And he's not stopping. He's even with that. He is not just getting it to an acceptable level like the 600 Supersport. He is, like you said, adapting it to meet what's going on at the world level, um, which he knows is what needs to be done to get our riders out and into Europe. So I, I really appreciate everything that's going on. The Moto America events. If you have never been to a Moto America event, they're a great time. So go to one if it's close to you. Look up the schedule. Find a place to, to uh, find a race to go to, and go to it. Yep, absolutely. Well, even though Bo didn't know who Scott Russell was earlier tonight, hey, he's still uh, a big well, race fan. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, you buddy. Um, you know, I, the reason I mentioned Scott Russell is just because you know he was out there doing some great things. When all these guys were out there, it was just, yeah. it was an embarrassment of riches at one point in American motorcycle, for American motorcycle racers. It was, um, but yeah, so I think that's all for tonight. And, you know, if you guys are out there riding on the road or headed to the track this weekend, I know there's some racing going on at Roebling, you know, please keep that rubber side down, that shiny side up. I'm Jason, AKA Captain Novice with my man, Bo saying good night and we'll see you next week. Good night guys.